My agent called, he said he got some interest in my script I'm glad I didn't tell him that I never finished it I got my cast of characters and outline for the plot I even got a famous classic case of writer's block Get it out of my head 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 Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Get it out of your head And onto the page Welcome to On the Page. This is the podcast that answers all of your questions about the craft and business of screenwriting. My name is Pilar Alessandra, and I'm the instructor and script consultant here at On the Page. Joining me as podcast producer is Dapper David Bax. Back for more. How are you? I'm. I am back for more. Uh, I don't. I'm. I'm increasingly or maybe decreasingly earning the Dapper David. Yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> I true. think I'm even more slovenly than the last time you I was You kind of look like, you know, like when you're back from Nam, you know? But it's it's a good look on you. You like, think? Yeah, the, the uh, military kind of... Okay. Yeah, it's kind of hot. I mean, you know, in a... In a <laughs> no. In a completely I, platonic way. I understand. She's getting, you know, married. Well, you're the only one who could say that. Yeah, okay, yeah. if you guys said it, it would be a little there bit There you weird. go. There you yeah, have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a shame. You two also look just fine. Very, very <laughs> handsome. Let me introduce our guests. We have Mike Musa to my right. Hello. We have Brian Pope to my left. Nice to be here. Pilar. And they are back. Yeah. If these names sound familiar, it is, we, we think, it's year seven, right? I yes. believe so. Yes. Year seven of Mike and Brian coming and talking about this year's best <laughs> best screenplay and best adapted screenplay nominees for the Oscars. And what we do every year is we have these guys come along and we talk about movies the way that you guys talk about movies, right? We're not, we may in a, in a way be using the screenplay thing as an excuse to talk about movies because okay. we don't normally on this podcast. We talk about writing, but not a, we, it's not a movie review podcast. Um, but what we are going to talk about are these movies as they are in their current form. So this wouldn't be talking about the original spec for, the, for them. We're looking at the script the way that the other people voting on it would be, that they would be looking at the script after it has been acted out and directed by. And that turns the script into a whole other thing. So we're looking probably mainly at story um, as opposed to maybe looking at it for craft before it's submitted. Does that, does that sound fair? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just to be fair, because even if we disagree, and uh, uh, we might, uh, Mike Musa, um, if, if we disagree, we also have some excerpts from the actual scripts, and we will be reading them out loud. Most of these have been posted online. There were only two that I couldn't find, uh, which was Captain Phillips and, uh, what was that? Woody Blue Allen Jasmine? Thing? Blue Jasmine, yeah, yeah. So, so if anybody has that script, send it to me. All right. Okay, so we're going to get started with who the nominees are. And we're going to start with Best Screenplay. As soon as my Oscar.go.com <laughs> loads. <laughs> Clearly, we're very prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got all the, the clips, but I don't actually have the list here. And here we go. So for writing for original screenplay... We have American Hustle, written by Eric Singer and David O. Russell. Blue Jasmine, written by Woody Allen. Dallas Buyers Club, written by Craig Borton and Melissa Wallach. 
and Her, written by Spike Jones, and Nebraska, written by Bob Nelson. So this is original screenplay. Let's do what we did last year, which is talk about our favorites and maybe our least favorites, and maybe we'll get them all covered that way. Something like that, all right? And David, please feel free to chime in because you are... Mr. Battleship Pretension. That's right. Indeed. Had a movie review podcast for years and years and years and years, even before on the page. Just barely before, yeah. Man, you must have been like a little boy. <laughs> Were you like 13 when you started that? <laughs> uh, I'll have to do the math. I think I was 24. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> okay, so um, why don't... You know what? I'm going to be gracious, um, despite the fact that Mike uh, was making bets on, quote, what sucky movie Pilar will like this year. Year, I'm going to be gracious because I'm, I'm a little bit bigger than that. And I'm going to say, Mike Musa, let's hear it. What's your bright idea for best original screenplay? What do you love? Okay, first of all, being bigger than that, you usually don't say it. But <laughs> just so you know. Just pointing it out. That's all. All right. This year in particular, mm-hmm. I have mixed feelings about a lot of different movies. In this category, I thought Nebraska was the best written. At least I thought the writing in it was fantastic. I thought Her was the most fascinating, but my favorite movie out of this group is American Hustle. Okay. Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait a second. American Hustle is your favorite movie. Yep. Her was most fascinating. Nebraska yep. was the best written. I believe Nebraska was the best so written. So what, as far as best original screenplay, man, you've got a lot in there right there. What, what as far as best original screenplay, do you want to see... When? when would that be Nebraska then? I it, guess so. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Tell me what you liked about the writing. Well, in Nebraska, and Nebraska is the hardest to talk about in this in this kind of medium because you don't want to give the spoilers away. And there are so many great moments in this film where things are are given to you about Bruce Dern's character earlier in the script that you find out later uh, affect the end of it. So I just thought the 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 way this story was written and 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 how they presented it was fantastic i i didn't love the story itself that was the problem the ending of it was just something i didn't like it's mm-hmm. just i didn't like the end of it not how it was not how it was done because it's consistent and it's you it's, thought i should get the million dollars <laughs> no no i hey, just you know what i know this is a big scam but you're a nice guy. <laughs> no, no. It was, the, it was the relationship at the end with the son and the father that okay. I thought was just like, well, what a cop out. Okay. I'd have made him walk back. But um, <laughs> that's just me. But I, I wanted to say about American Hustle, one of my favorite parts about American Hustle, and I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth on this, okay. is you talk in your class about the idea of let's play a game. Uh-huh. It's one of the, the techniques you talk about. And in this particular screenplay, I thought the C.K. Lewis telling a story and Bradley Cooper kind of trying to guess the end of the story before it gets there was was very much that technique of let's play a game. I have a story and Bradley Cooper kind of turns it into, well, I can tell you what the end of it is before you tell me. And at the, the very first time they do it, it's done for a great, like it's very funny because you think Bradley Cooper nailed it. The way of C.K. Lewis's face is like, uh, you got the ending before I got to tell you. But in the end, uh, he probably didn't. So it was. Are you trying to kiss my ass, Mike Musa? Are you? Is that what you're trying to do? It's, it might be working. I'm just saying. Right. Okay. Uh, Brian Pope of Pope's Picks. I didn't actually uh, introduce you properly. Brian Pope has uh, had a movie review. Well, it started <laughs> It started when you used to mail it to all your friends. Right. This was a blog before blogs existed. That's right. It was something we had on paper. It was, uh, did Very you use analog, a typewriter yeah. back then? I don't even remember. I think, I think it was computer you by that time. You think we had computers back handful, in those days? There yeah. were a handful of typewritten ones, but those I didn't mail out. And now it's a blog. Yes. And for a while, it was also a party. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it might still be a party, but I'm not invited. So <laughs> if it is a party, you're always, you're always invited. Thank you. It was, then it was karaoke for a while. It was like a karaoke Oscar kind of thing. Um, but you always put out a movie review about a written movie review about every every movie you've seen, and it's Correct. called Pope's Picks. Correct. So uh, Pope. Well, of the Michael's kind of already talked about the two that were my favorite. I, I would have been hard pressed to choose between the two of them. But since he talked a little bit more about Nebraska, I'm going to just go with American Hustle. And, uh, and they're very related, I think, in many ways, because what I find fascinating thematically about both of them, it's about uh, how we believe what we want to believe, how the characters believe what they want to believe, and how we cope with that as people who are either dealing with someone who's delusional or someone who's easily, easily fooled. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fascinating to see play out in both cases because... I liked the ending of Nebraska, particularly because we don't know if Bruce Dern is crazy or alcohol has destroyed his brain cells or if he's just delusional. But Or he's the, just selfish. Yeah, well, but, the, the, but the son finds the perfect solution, in my mind, of not betraying himself, but also kind of giving a gift to his father. And, uh, and that's one, and it's one of my favorite. I would say it's my favorite ending of any movie I've seen this year. I just... So satisfying. But American Hustle works on so many levels because all the characters are hustling each other either, you know, pragmatically through this, you know, ab scam, you know, trying to put one over on each other or emotionally trying to fool each other. And you don't always know, is this person still in love with that person? What, what is going on? And I think David O. Russell and Eric Singer do a remarkable job of keeping us as off balance as they do. And the end, again, was just so satisfying. You know, when you find out, oh, this person does love that person. This was a game. But it might not have been a game, but it was a game at the end. Um, and then, of course, I don't want to ruin it, but yeah. let's just say there's just desserts it's, it's all around. It's a con. Um, uh, yes. David, I'm going to guess what yours, your favorite is. Okay. Her? That's right. Eh? Oh, no. Am I that uh, <laughs> obvious? I guessed it. I'm not saying. <laughs> so, uh, so why her? Uh, well, I, part of it might be the element of surprise because um, I've always liked Spike Jones as a director, and but given his reputation as something of a maybe idiot savant, I wasn't sure that he could write anything. <laughs> um, and, and so it was it was one of the movies of 2013 that I was most trepidatious about, uh, and I found it um, uh, incredibly. Uh, moving, and I think it does. One of the things I'm always looking for um, is when someone uses um, a genre template to get at something that's more personal. Using something that's universal and very recognizable to get at something that's more personal. And, and her is, in many ways, a science fiction story and also a kind of standard uh, romance. Um, but by twisting it or amping it up or, or taking this different take on it, you know, blending the science fiction with the romance story, uh, he's actually able to sort of. Uh, amplify and magnify and shine a light on some very uh, specific universalities about the way that we uh, relate to the people that we love. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's why that was my favorite. Do you want to guess what my least favorite was? <laughs> well, I know it's not Blue Jasmine because I know that you're a big Woody Allen fan. So... Uh, I mean, of his on-screen work, not his... <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> we have to parse that out. I mean, not his, I'm not... saying not his clarinet playing. Right, right, right. Uh... Is, oh, I'm hoping you're not saying Dallas Buyers Club. Is oh, that no, your least I love favorite? That, one. Um, that was also a surprise. Okay, me. then, then hit me. What's your what's your least favorite? It's it's going to have to be Nebraska. And again, I might be carrying in some uh, just some some prejudices against Alexander Payne from his past work that I'm not a big fan of. 
but uh, I I think there's a, a number of occasions in the movie, especially with maybe the June Squibb character and a lot of the uh, non-main characters, where he favors the joke over the character and maybe mm-hmm. sacrifices the character a little bit to make it funny. And uh, I also felt, and this could be just... Um, you know, a result of my not being an older man who has grown children or whatever, but I didn't feel myself relating to Bruce Dern that much. I will say the whole middle section of the movie of um, of them in Bruce Dern's hometown, uh, I really related to the Will Forte character, and it really felt like, as someone who is from the Midwest and doesn't live there anymore, it felt like being home for a week with my family and just sort of having like, <laughs> I have no control over the schedule right now, so I'm just going to sit back and let all this happen. I really like the middle section, but I, I, uh, I'm i not a big fan of Alexander Payne in general. And you know, it's funny, I am a big fan of Alexander Payne, but I didn't have any love lost for, for Nebraska. I think, you know, as far as the actual story of it, I think the story is really nice and simple. And um, I just had... I think the direction of the acting was so odd and that I was having a hard time figuring out if it was the script or the acting. Mm. I do think it it was the direction of the acting. It was, there was this attempt to have real people rather than actors. And so everything actually sounded stiffer than it it should. Mm. But then I was wondering, should a good script surpass that? You know, Um, but I I liked the story. I thought it was simple and effective, but I, I wasn't in love with it. Um, as far as her goes, man, this is this is like every guy's wet dream. It's like like yay, yay, a computer is gonna gonna hang out with me and tell me how awesome I am and have uh, what's her face's voice? Scarlett Johansson. Oh, Scarlett Johansson's voice, right? Awesome. I I I had to give her props for the concept. It's so so original, and I love the world that it created. It's real sci-fi and just really accepting of its sci-fi it doesn't sit there and go wow a computer is my girlfriend that's not what it's about it tries mm-hmm. to go deeper than that but her dialogue man guys come on is that not the neediest naggiest girlfriend you've ever had <laughs> no Do, yeah, I, let's talk about our feelings when i i I need more. I mean, come on. But really? Think, if it wasn't Scarlett Johansson, like, give it, like... But that's part of her, her newness. She's almost like like uh, an, an infant in many ways. Uh, and I think that's what Spike Jones was getting at, the idea that... Um, I don't know if you saw, there was another movie recent, recently called Ruby Sparks that was just okay. Yeah, yeah. But it had a similar okay. concept. Mm-hmm. The guy writes himself a girlfriend. And so um, I think maybe sometimes men have this idea of like, I wish I could have a girlfriend who's exactly like fills all these, you know, uh, requirements and, and, you know, doesn't have all the other like sort of complicated stuff uh, that, that, uh, you know, can sometimes cause friction. And then you realize once you actually have that, that um, that's not ideal. And all that complicated stuff is what makes a person a person and mm-hmm. what makes a relationship worth having. And so I think, her neediness is a part of examining how uh, how how faulty the quote unquote ideal girlfriend would be for mm-hmm. someone like Joaquin Phoenix's character. Yeah, I think it's a bummer. Yeah. I, I do, <laughs> I do. I think like man, it goes south really quickly. Like really, it's already she needs more. Come on, I, I was feeling for you guys. That's all I'm saying. Just just for the record, because I'd like to clear up something. Yeah. I, I can't speak for every man's wet dream. Yes. My wet dream is not to have a computer like Scarlett <laughs> Johansson. I will just be old school. 
I will just take Scarlett Johansson. I'm just saying. I can skip the middle, be nice the if- middle bits, if you will. <laughs> yeah. The middle megabytes. I just want to hop in on that. Conceptually, I like her a lot. I like the movie. I, I thought in the execution, there are moments that I found myself going, I want to know more about that story, like the physical surrogate. That really intrigued me. And I felt like just when things were getting really interesting, they said, oh, we got, we got to just, we, we can't really explore this or we'll, you know, we'll have a three-hour movie. But there were moments like that a couple of times where it's like, I would really like to know more about this story. I, wish, I almost wish the movie had been about something else, which isn't fair. But, I, so I mean, if the sci-fi element had, had taken off a little bit more, because that yeah. is part of it, right? How does a machine actually physically interact yeah. with a person? It was sort of just touched on, but then it... It yeah. went away. Yeah, I, I just felt there were certain things I would have liked to have seen explored more, and maybe some of the other things, you know, weren't as interesting to me because you know the computer was like an actual person. So it's like, oh, I recognize that line of dialogue. I recognize that behavior, and I, I thought the surrogate part would have brought things into a very interesting, uh, you know, realm that needed more exploration. That's- mm. um, I would. I, my favorite was uh, Dallas Buyers Club. I like Dallas Buyers Club. Don't go shaking your head like that's the sucky movie. I liked that movie. And the reason I liked that movie is just because I liked him as a character because I didn't like him as a character. So many people are placing so much emphasis on the idea that, you know, somebody like that has to change even more. And I liked his subtle awareness that there was something bigger than him, but always keeping his skills at money and basically his entrepreneurial spirit is what makes other people better and himself. And I liked the combination of that. I think they did a good, t- good job, too, of encompassing a real time period. It's very hard to have years pass, you know, an epic situation. And I just think s- structurally it, it worked very well. I, she was a little boring, the, the supporting character, you know, Jennifer Garner. She was just like... You know, oh, the pretty yeah, doctor. Right. But I, I, I really, I really liked it as a just a an overall a, a good story, well told. I think it had all the elements well, that that it needed. Why I liked it so much because I also I think I another, there's another one I went in a little trepidatious about because when you, when you have an inspiring true story, you're really flirting with sort of made for TV movie type of yeah. thing, and I was afraid it would be that. But I think uh, where it, it succeeded, where say the Nelson Mandela movie with Idris Elba, I don't know if anyone saw that. Yeah, I saw that. Where that failed is that Dallas Buyers Club never, as much as it as as great as the story is, it never s- forgot that it was about a character first, and it, it never lost sight of who Ron Woodruff was and it let him sort of inform the way the story unfolded. Whereas the Mandela movie sort of just assumed you already feel a certain way about Nelson Mandela and then just like checked the boxes of all the things that happened to him over the course of his life. Right. So right. I think that's, that's another one. Dallas Buyers Club was another one that surprised me. Yeah. A little lack of sentiment was good in something like that. I mean, you know, if it, if it went the other way, if it tipped a little bit too far, yeah, it's, it's totally movie of the week kind of territory. So you guys didn't like Dallas? Actually, before I let Brian Pope chew you apart, um, <laughs> I, I liked this film quite a bit. I've, I liked, in fact, the era that they talk about, sort of that 80s, backwoods, redneck period, which I lived through. It was very familiar, and it's not really done that much in film. So I, I was on board. In fact, sadly for me, Jared Leto was in this movie for 10 minutes before I was like, oh, wait, that's Jared Leto? Are you kidding me? <laughs> But I, I thought they, I thought they attacked, uh, they attacked the the idea and his life very well, and 
one of the problems that I had is not a big problem, but I saw this movie and as we moved to adapted 12 years a slave almost, I think back to back. And one of the, one of the things I liked about Dallas buyers club was a sense of time, um, which was well-defined and which wasn't in 12 years a slave. Although that's just a minor quibble. Anyway, Brian. Okay, Brian, why'd you, why'd you dislike this movie? Well, all the things that you guys mentioned that it wasn't in your view, I felt it was, I felt like I was watching kind of a TV movie issue of the week. It felt very familiar. And I'm not downplaying the performances. Exceptional. Exceptional performances. Jennifer Gardner was saddled with some pretty terrible, you know, things, dialogue-wise. Um, yeah, that was my problem. I felt it was very familiar. I didn't feel like, and, and perhaps this is more of a function of the directing, which I had considerable problems with. Uh, maybe a better director, perhaps, could have overcome what I felt were some of these weaknesses but I never I never got involved with the story I kept finding myself and now is the scene where he goes in there and hands out flyers in front of these you know the 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 pharmaceutical people just because that's what you do in movies like these you got to show the little guy you know going up against the man and as soon as it happened I found myself going oh my god they did do it you know it comes near the end anyway so that was my thing. I just didn't buy into it to the degree that you guys did. I, I never could get past what I felt was, you know, kind of the TV movie of the week issue trappings. So I'm, I'm shocked here. Blue Jasmine is not getting any love from you guys. I mean, it clearly is not getting any love from me, but, but okay. All right, Blue Jasmine, bottom of the, this list. I, or, think, I think the performances yeah. are better than... The screenplay there, I think that's why. Because I, I love Blue Jasmine, but it's not necessarily because of the screenplay. I, I, I agree. I ranted about this on another podcast, but his approach to what he thinks are blue-collar people in San Francisco was so ridiculous <laughs> that I was just like, have you ever met a blue-collar person? Or, or Have you ever been to have, San Francisco? Have that's you been the, to San Francisco? He, you know, have you talked to not. somebody like who's a waitress? Maybe, you know, just it, I was... I was so blown away by how, how incredibly wrong it was that he kept imposing this sort of Stanley Kowalski streetcar named Desire kind of thing so much on this constantly as though it was still the 50s streetcar. I, it, was, it was just driving me nuts. It was driving but me crazy. I, I still think that Sally Hawkins and Andrew Dice Clay made it work in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. The only thing that... And there's one scene in the movie that drove me crazy where... Uh, uh, you know, without spoiling things, it's important that Peter Sarsgaard's character find out a number of things. And so he has Interdice Clay say all those things at once to him. And it's really obvious. Uh, and just wanders up to them on the street yeah, randomly. Yeah. And quite a coincidence. Hey, what you doing As here? They're looking, at, mm. they're looking at rings, perhaps. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so fancy lady. Mm, let me tell you something. Um, you know what? We actually have some excerpts here from the scripts. And, uh, and let's read some of this, because even if we have our opinions, these scripts deserve their due. You know, oh, they absolutely. got here, and how, how amazing that they are getting such different responses, and they hit different audiences. Um, so let's start with really what's at the top of the pile here. Um, <laughs> this is from Her, and, uh, and I don't have Scarlett jo- Johansson's voice. <laughs> I probably have naggy, needy girlfriend voice. Not at all. No. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, either way, we are going to read this, this little excerpt. This, this script is actually not online. I got this out of an excerpt that was an article. So I'm hoping it's right. Um, okay. So I guess I'm Samantha. 
Um, Brian, would mm. you be scene direction? Sure. And uh, Mike, would you be Theodore? Certainly. And could you grow, you know, a big mustache? <laughs> and just, like right, right now. Right now. Okay. Okay. Uh, exterior, park, day. Theodore sits on a bench in a park on a rooftop wedged between tall buildings. There's not really any view besides the trees in the immediate foreground. People sunbathe and exercise. He sits eating a sandwich, his device next to him. He looks at the device, then out at what she's looking at. What are you doing? I'm just sitting here, looking at the world and writing a new piece of music. He looks at the world with her for a minute. Can I hear it? She starts playing it for him. We hear this beautiful, romantic piece of music. What's this one about? Well, I was thinking we don't really have any photographs of us. I thought this song could be like a photo that captures us in this moment in our life together. Theodore looks at the world and smiles. Ah, I like our photograph. I can see you in it. I am. Or you could read it like, well, I was thinking we really don't have any photographs of us. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. Okay. Wow. <laughs> It's a beautiful piece of music on a hillside. No, you know what? Why don't you like it? Let's just say that. Girls don't do that. Or they do that, they get you, and then after that, there's no beautiful pieces of music. I really think you're more bitter about female relationships than we are. I might be. I might be. I don't know. I just know what we're up to. Um, The next one. Oh, you know what? I have a a pile for you, David. Do you have? No. No, that's okay. But I got two piles. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. But there are two pi- Wait, hold on. Here, this is yours. Oh, That's okay. yours. Okay. Right. You can't get out of that this. That means you're reading. All yeah, right. yeah. Well, this, this next one is from American Hustle. And I have to say, I'm glad you guys gave it some love. I liked American Hustle. And there was this huge backlash about American Hustle. Did you notice? There like, was. Like Actually, people Brian, hated it. Brian and I talked about it. Because you know what I thought about you when I saw American Hustle? Because you at one time said about the reader before you were about to watch it, you said you were really in the mood for that kind of movie. And mm-hmm. when I saw American Hustle, I was very much just ready. I was like, I'm in the mood for this movie. And it comes out right off the bat. To me, at least, I saw it more as a romance right off the bat. Like, it's just a romance, and then everything else that gets in the way, boy meets girl, boy loses girl, hopefully gets her in the end. Brian brought up the intelligent point that perhaps people didn't like it as much because it didn't focus on the scandal as much. Kind of the scandal was a subplot almost. Uh, maybe that was the thing. And also, it was a little indulgent, but like I liked its indulgence. Me you know? I, I like, like movies like that. I like Casino. And, no, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, compared to Wolf of Wall Street, it wasn't, it, it, it looks tame <laughs> as far as its indulgence, indulgence goes. Indulgence, yes. By the way, just to let you know, in the scene where she is in, uh, let's see, interviewing for, I think it's Vogue Magazine. I'm sorry, I can't say it. Vogue Magazine. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if you go. Into that scene, and you look to your left, there's a woman in a white suit. That's my mother. Oh, <laughs> yes. fantastic. Yes. She, my mom, you know, she went to the high school of performing arts, and she did a lot of theater and a lot of community theater later on, which is an attorney. And she called me up. She said, I'm working with David O. Russell. <laughs> 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 and I have a name. Uh, I am White Suit. <laughs> and so I watched a movie, and when you know there, she is in a white suit. So, nice. so everybody look for my mom. She is um, really beautiful. Before, can I ask? Since this is a screenplay podcast, now I when I you know judge a movie, I try not to take too much of the behind the scenes stuff in. But I've read about how much of the, this movie was improvised. Mm-hmm. Does that change your feeling of uh, it as a 
as a, as an original screenplay nominee? Yeah, I guess it does. It does for me. It does because uh, although what we are talking about is that post production script, right, where everything's gone into it and mm-hmm. it is what it is. So I think it can still be an amazing lesson for people because it's still written down. So whatever got that dialogue there is now on the page in a script that was put out. But but shouldn't as, the actors be nominated now? Yeah, but, but yeah, there is there is part of me that whenever I find that out, I'm a little like, oh man. Okay, well let's let's uh, let's read. Just we're just gonna read the top of it. Um, Brian, would you be desperate man? Sure. Um, and would uh, would you be uh, David another businessman? Okay. And Mike, would you be another another businessman? Thirty five. Okay, and. Uh, and then, would you? I'm sorry. Would you be Irving Rosenfeld, Brian? Oh, sure. Okay. And I'll read the scene direction. Interior, Irv's dingy office. Another day. A desperate man takes out a business checkbook and writes his check. Five thousand gets me fifty, right? Interior, Irv's dingy office. Another day. Five will get me thirty-five. Is that right? Interior, Irv's dingy office. Another day. Five grand gets me fifty. Interior, Irv's dingy office. Another day. Sydney and Irving are happy and laughing. Sydney gets up on the desk and bends over playfully. So happy, so in love. I was doing so much more business with her. So that's it. That's it. That's like a nice little montage right there. Mm-hmm. You have the the setting. You've got each guy saying the same thing. It tells its old, own little story, half a page. And that's part of what was fun about this movie, right, was the con. And you're just watching all these little cons grow. And so, again, that was Eric Singer and David O. Russell. All right. We've got Nebraska here. We've got Nebraska. See, those guys didn't improvise that. Right? Guess, there yeah, you go. So, I mean, you got, the, you know, and it tells, boom, boom, boom. It's right there. Okay. Um, here we go. Um, Mike, would you be David? And Brian, would you be Woody? And I'll read the scene direction. Exterior, downtown Billings Day. Woody walks down the sidewalk toward the bus station. David pulls up alongside him in his car and rolls down the window. Dad. Dad. Leave me alone. David guns the car ahead of Woody, stops, and gets out. Come on, let me take you home. I'm going to Lincoln if it's the last thing I do. I don't care what you people think. Listen to me, you didn't win anything. It's a complete scam. So you gotta stop this, okay? Woody looks at David as though maybe his son is finally making sense. Then he starts walking again. (laughs) Which is nice, I like that little moment, don't you? Right, it's like he looks at him and then, nope, just turns around. It's not overly, I don't know, overly poetic, you know, um, which is, is why... I, I think the, the writing on this is nice and simple sometimes. It's just sometimes it's so simple that it can almost feel on the nose. So I, to me, it needs sort of a, yeah. a little bit more subtext underneath. And sometimes when the acting wasn't going for that, it just felt, mm, but I don't know. But how did it feel to read that? Good. Yeah. Yeah? yeah. yeah. It's hard not to envision Bruce Dern in that role. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it is. So good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay. So how come, wait a second, we talked about that being an Alexander Payne movie. It was written by Robert W. Nelson. Did Alexander oh, Payne also write it. write it? No? No. Okay. Didn't. All right. So that was Robert W. Nelson. My prejudices were unfounded. Uh-huh. <laughs> or misplaced. Uh-huh. But I still stand by them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to, we've got, yeah, we've got one more here from... 
Best Picture. I'm sorry, Best Screenplay. And this is Dallas Buyers Club. All right. Just going to read this little section here. This is written by Craig Wharton and Melissa Wallach. And this is on page 27. Interior Ron's car, highway, day. Ron cruises, feeling as good as he looks. He pulls the car over, sits there in silence, breathes in, looks over at his stuff on the back seat, and then at his gun lying next to him. He grips the steering wheel and starts to cry. Now, if you see this, there's like a nice use of ellipses here, you know, and it's sort of the same thing that we just saw. It's just watching somebody make a choice. You know, with Nebraska, he's about to believe him, and then he turns away. Here, he... he um, you know, he's got his gun there, and he grips the steering wheel, and then he starts to cry. It's just nice. It's simple. It's descriptive. It's emotion, emotional. Mm-hmm. And it's all right there. Yeah. There you go. All right. But Brian hated it. You, <laughs> hey, you know what? Because Brian has a hard strong. heart. He has a hard heart. Well, That's what we, it's softening, though. You, do you think? It is. I no. don't know. It I is. don't know. Over time, I think it's getting, it's getting harder. It's, <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> it's like a little, little pedal, pebble. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Keep talking. This is that? great. <laughs> We're really not uh, drinking. I could. I don't feel like it. I think we should tell people we are. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> At this point. Oh, God. Lord, if Scarlett Johansson said it, it would sound fine. All right. We're going to move on to best adapted. And then I have to like load this up on my phone again. So does this happen with you with iPhones? Like You have something up, and then it just goes the minute that it goes to sleep, you have to do it all over again? Or is it just mine? I don't know. I think it's just yours. It's just me. I have a dumb phone, so I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. Oh. Uh-oh. All right. Here we go. Writing. And this is for adapted screenplay. All right. What we have is Before Midnight, written by Richard Linkletter, Julie Delpy, and Ethan Hawke. Captain Phillips, written by Billy Ray. Philomena, written by Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope. 12 Years a Slave, written by John Ridley, and The Wolf of Wall Street, written by Terrence Winter. Okay, Brian, I'm starting with you. What'd you like? This was a tough one. Um, I I almost came in here to say that I liked 12 Years a Slave, but I'm actually going to go with Captain Phillips. I really uh, liked the way they put that one together because I did not want to see this movie when I saw the trailer. I was like, oh, I can't do it. And how many can't. times did you see the trailer? And I saw the trailer Man, a lot. Man, even my kids were saying, I'm the captain now. Like just all, the, but all over the place. The movie worked like gangbusters, I felt. But what, was, what made it work even more for me was, were two things, really, because it, it, it gave us a context for what would ostensibly be the villains of the piece, the the Somali pirates. We see where they're coming from. They don't spend a lot of time on it, but it's always there in the back of our mind. So as this movie moves along and you realize that they are just, they are as cornered as as anyone in this movie. And I'm not saying you feel sympathy. You never feel like what they're, they're, that they've justified what they're doing, but you empathize. And that's so rare in a movie like this. We actually spend some time saying, oh, wait, I mean, I get why they're doing it. It's wrong. And it, you know, it almost makes it tragic at the end. And the other thing I really liked was this theme of leadership. You saw how Captain Phillips led and how by making a certain sacrifice, he actually saved his crew. And whereas the Muse character, by making certain choices, sacrificed his crew. And it, it became this movie about the choices that we make as leaders, the hard choices that we make, and how that ends up spilling over into the people that, you know, have our lives in their hands. 
Hmm. Hmm. David, what about you? Um, oh, you're not doing a least favorite? Just, just what? favorite? The Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> well, that, okay, well, that'll, that, don't that tell will to... come up. Trust me. The least favorites have been coming up. Well, okay. well let's start with favorites. Well, the, the idea that I have to pick a favorite or, or least favorite from this is, uh, is very difficult because these are all fantastic, I think. But I am crazy about The Wolf of Wall Street. Um, <laughs> I'm glad somebody is. You know what I mean? I'm, like, honestly, I have my problems with it, but there's, there's little pockets of... of fun stuff in it it doesn't deserve like all the trashing it got so so what no. do you like about it uh it's almost this is almost like a uh, i'm not sure what the film theory term would be structuralist maybe uh the idea that the the content dictates the form so mm. because this is about this character it's an incredibly overblown obnoxious uh excessive indulgent screenplay and that could obviously be a turnoff and i'd say maybe for the first half of the movie I was on the fence about it, and I think something at some point something just clicked into place where I was like, "I see what Terrence Winter is doing. I see what Martin Scorsese is doing. I see what everyone's doing here," and it uh, just was a blast for me from there on out. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm nuts about this movie. Again, another one of those kind of movies, those those casino kind of movies where right, and yeah, I don't fellas, where you just you know it's it, but it, it's a world and somebody walking you through it. It's tough since people you don't know and you know there, there's do, something um, there. But I, I, won't, I won't. Do you know what I? I wrote a talk. review for my website and the the comparison that I made was I don't know if anyone watched uh, Eastbound and Down on HBO. <laughs> yeah, it felt like essentially it's sort of about the same character. Like Jonah Hill is his uh, Stevie or whatever the guy's name was on Eastbound and Down, and it uh, it is um, uh, yeah, it's just a, a sort of bonkers story about a really really awful person who is uh almost incomprehensibly self-centered uh and again it can be if you're not on board with that it can be a real turnoff and i don't blame people for being turned off by it because it's about a really awful person and it takes on his characteristics both the movie and the screenplay but it worked for me as a i guess film snob film theory snob (laughs) (laughs) what what about you mike what was your favorite Wow. See, again, like I'm going to go overboard here, but uh, first of all, I thought Captain Phillips was wonderfully written because it felt very economic and how they approached it. Just felt like they moved from from moment to moment beautifully. Uh, I liked Wolf of Wall Street's theme. Uh, I the way I interpreted it is this is a guy who lives the quote unquote American dream, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people who, despite the fact knowing this person's real life, are in line to learn how to do it. Um, and, and I also appreciated Wolf of Wall Street in the fact that this is someone's life and he showed it warts and all so much so that he makes a cameo at the end of the movie mm-hmm. so and I think there's a certain amount of bravery there's a number of movies I've watched that are autobiographical and they you certainly you can tell where they sanitize things or hide things or don't want to show certain things in their life and I cannot imagine they pulled any punches with this movie I just kind of can't because uh, he didn't pull any punches on his wife so there's that but my was that favorite, a joke? No, he punches his wife. So are we going to get to the movie you actually want to talk about? <laughs> yes, that was the build-up, sir. Thank you for ruining it for all two of our listeners. Hi, Mom. Um, I would say my favorite was Philomena, despite the fact that it had some weaknesses in it. I have found, like with, Winter Bo- with Winter's Bone and with uh, Definitely Maybe, I kind of like these movies that it feels like a detective movie, despite the fact that they're not detectives. And this movie felt very much, I'd seen like two, two people trying to solve a crime and they shouldn't be together. And I don't know. I just liked it. I thought it was very sweet. It had some weaknesses in it for sure. But 
overall, I, I, I thought it was good. You know what my favorite movie was? Mm-mm. Philomena. Yes. Hey, there you go, Mike. How about that? God, I Finally, after seven, after seven of these podcasts. Yeah. You and I have finally. We've know, agreed on a few. This is we like this is like our sleepless in Seattle moment. This oh. is where we meet at the top of that tall, spiky thing. Okay. <laughs> what is that tall, spiky <laughs> thing in Seattle? It's the space noodle. It's the space noodle yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> the reason I like Philomena so much because I was uh, to make. A comparison to what I said about Nebraska is Philomena is also a movie that can be incredibly funny but never betrays who his characters are in mm-hmm. order to make a joke. Yes. It, it finds humor and sweetness in who Philomena mm-hmm. is without ever condescending about her. I loved, yeah. I loved the balance with light and dark. It was very hard to do. I mean, think about yeah. what happens to this woman. It's awful. Um, and think, again, it, with the jokiness that sometimes comes into it, tip that and forget it. It would just yep. feel so weird. But yeah, a great balance of an interesting relationship and like you said mike i love the mystery that's mm-hmm. coming through so if you're looking for story the story is there the structure is there the characters are there i mean it's it's i left it going that was a perfect movie i loved that and it was so unexpected it was sort of at the bottom of my list because i thought it would be really schmaltzy and and the whole thing and i loved it one of my favorite moments in that movie and this is certainly uh, the writer's hand in this is that um I want to say is it Steve Coogan's character? Am I saying that correctly? But mm-hmm. he's he's clearly like it's the next morning. They're in America. He's jet lagged probably. She's going on about the buffet, and he's very short with her and very curt with her, and very, almost curt is really the best word for it. And she like walks off, and then he finds out this terrible news that he now has to deliver or will deliver. And I I just thought that was such a great setup for the next moment. Is you've already been pretty much an a hole, and now you really are with this moment of like. Why was I that awful just a few minutes ago? Now I have something that's really terrible to say. Mm-hmm. I just thought that was a great setup. Yeah, just these small human moments that are are huge game changers mm-hmm. in that in that movie. I would like to um, defend Twelve Years a Slave a little bit because I saw I, I heard what you said and, and that's that would have been my second choice. I was vacillating between Captain Phillips and Twelve Years. Okay, a Slave. Okay, good. You like Twelve Years a yes, Slave? Yes, I did. All if right. you had made me pick a least favorite, I might have gone with Twelve Years a Slave. Not because I don't like the screenplay, screenplay or the adaptation, but I don't think that's what makes the movies as much as the editing and the acting and the cinematography and the sound and all that other but stuff. But I, I have a way to prove that the script itself is unique because I I don't know how you felt about this, Brian, but I think the criticisms are that, oh, we've seen this done. We've seen it before. There's nothing new, but the approach to dialogue is completely new. I agree. Every time we see one of these kind of things, you can pretty much hear the dialogue in, in your head. But what this chooses to do is this heightened, poetic, almost Shakespearean dialogue with everybody and it, it elevates every scene and you don't even realize it's there because the acting is, is so good but that is what's making this script special well, like Deadwood yes yeah. like yeah. Deadwood and part exactly. of it is you know, the, the slave in question is an educated man whereas much of the time the stories that we see are just people who weren't educated so the, you know the stories are very different so we have our hero we follow who is speaking heightened language because he knows how to speak it. But every character actually is doing it. Oh, I no, yeah. no. Well, that's because most of the characters, well, no, to a lesser, really, even yeah. the yeah, yeah, all of them, they really? are all yeah, and that's what you. But again, oh. because it's so naturally 
rendered you you don't you don't notice you don't notice that they're all speaking in this kind of of voice so i i just thought god that's so well done i mean it's what makes oh. shakespeare so good is these well, common stories but this heightened language well, the fact know? is that i didn't notice it probably speaks volumes yeah so i want to prove it to you because we've got an excerpt from the script and it is really light like it's light and small in terms of the printing here i'm really sorry i couldn't get in any any bigger so um all right so uh, <laughs> this is uh, 12 years a slave it's screenplay by john ridley and uh brian you want to read this with me sure all right get your acting chops on i'm gonna screw this up i know it okay go for it master ford is a decent man he is a slaver under the circumstances under the circumstances he is a slaver christian only in his proclamations separated from separated me from my precious babies for lack of a few dollars but you truckle at his boot no you luxuriate in his favor i survive i will not fall into despair woeful and crushed melancholy is the yoke i see most i will offer up my talents to master ford i will keep myself hardy until freedom is opportune ford is your opportunity do you think he does not know that you are more than you suggest but he does nothing for you nothing you are no better than prized livestock call for him call tell him of your previous circumstances and see what it earns you solomon so that's that's pretty some pretty uh like I said, it's, that's elevated language. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. It's poetic. And so to me, that made the script, the actual script special, since we're talking about scripts. I agree. The story, we may have seen it in other forms, but not written like this. That's that. So there. So there. Wah. Take that. Didn't that, <laughs> didn't that sound good, though? Yeah. yeah. It made me want to watch the movie again, which is not something I thought I'd say right after having seen the movie. Cool, man. <laughs> cool. Should we read an excerpt from Filmina? Sure. Yeah? Sure. All right. I'm just going by what's on the top of the pile. Okay. Uh, Mike, you want to hit this? It's at the very bottom there. Sure. Exterior, courtyard, day. Young Philomena burst into the courtyard only to see the tail lights of the shiny car disappearing from sight over a rise. She is too late. She stares after it, then sinks into her knees on the gravel drive, weeping. Anthony is gone. She cries out in utter anguish, a shriek from deep inside her. That's it. That's it. I mean, that's it's really intense. It's just a few words on the page. You know, a shriek from deep inside her says a lot. To be honest with you, if you go through this script, there's a lot that's sort of written in a really sort of passive voice. It's she is doing, she is here, she is there. So I'm not saying that it's like the the most artfully crafted all the time, but this, the emotional beats it hits, it's gorgeous right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. All right. Okay. <laughs> Do you guys want to read from The Wolf of Wall Street? Sure. So here's the thing. Because I'll, I'll, I'll ready the sensor button. No, no, no. I'm with you. I'm with you. Look, I felt it was an hour too long. At two hours, I would have loved this movie. At three hours, I was like, dude, just a little editing. We saw this scene before. Come on. You know, like I, I, was, I was a bit done. But, um, but when I looked at the actual script, I would suggest to listeners, if you're looking for good example of, of action lines, how people are described, how moments are described, this script is, has some great writing in it. No matter how you feel about the movie, check out the way things are described. So I'll give you an example right here. This is Wolf of Wall Street, written by 
Terrence Whitner. Winter. Win- Winter. I can't see, Brian. I'm so blind. It's based on the book by Jordan Belfort. Who is the lead in this? Okay. Interior LF Rothschild Bullpen Day, May 87. Computers, telephones everywhere. At their desks, 45 shirt-sleeved brokers read their Wall Street journals readying for war. Like an eager puppy, Jordan follows broker Jerry Fogle, 30, thick-lipped and bow-tied. So that's the kind of description that everything gets. You know? I mean, that's great stuff, right? Readying for war, like an eager puppy, thick-lipped and bow-tied. I mean beautiful so like the actual look at the actual script pluck out the parts that you do like i understand why you don't like the whole movie but you know it's it's there's some some poetry there all right everybody good so far Mm-hmm. So yeah, far. yeah, <laughs> very good. Now I've got an excerpt here from Before Midnight. None of us talked about Before Midnight. How do is you guys it, feel? Well, is it weird that it's? I guess this is just a technicality, but it's an adapted screenplay just because it's a sequel. It's not yes, actually based correct. on anything. That's it's, weird, right? It's it's the Academy rules, apparently. Is that the deal? So what, what, what is that? Is that the way it is with all sequels? They're always adapted. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They'd all be considered adapted. That's strange. So they're adapted because they're adapted from original. They're so- based on existing characters. Uh, it's, it's based on the source material. That seems strange. I guess maybe that's so that everybody, all their IPs are protect, protected or whatever it is. Yeah. I don't know. You're the. You're There's the a separation of rights issue here. So you know, if you're basing it on a previous movie, the person who originated that movie gets. You know, if it's a WGA piece, it's. Uh, they get a piece of it. Huh. Yeah. So it's all about who gets paid. Yeah. You would know. You're, so Brian works in legal in... An unnamed studio. <laughs> An unnamed <laughs> studio. <laughs> okay, so uh, before midnight, how did you guys feel about it? I, I had loved the first two, and I mostly loved this one. Um, I would like maybe another 10 minutes to see if, it, things, if, things, <laughs> if did things actually wrap up that... Like neatly at the end, I, I can't. Having been in arguments with, you know, girlfriends and fiancés and such before, well, one fiance. I've only had the one. Fiance. That's right. <laughs> um, Quick to jump in there. It, yeah, <laughs> it, it does seem like it wraps up a little too neatly at the end. He's. Maybe, I, don't I don't entirely agree. I think it, it feels very. To me, it felt open ended. I mean, I think there was a detente, but I don't necessarily feel like you know it's resolved. So I, that, I, I liked it. I think each movie has gotten richer and richer as we go along. The first one was kind of a trifle, good, but each one I've liked more and more. And I, I like this one. This one is, I liked this one quite a bit. I wonder if in nine years when we get before 2 a.m. or whatever, <laughs> before, before the last grave, call, <laughs> uh, if I will feel differently about the ending of this one. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then you'll have possibly right. gone into that territory. Yeah. And then what about you, Mike? Do you like before I, th- I thought it was okay. I didn't think that it was anything special. I thought, Brian and I had talked about this previously, that this might be the Mike Lee, it's a lot of improvisation oh, script. It's completely improv, so, right? Isn't that how they do it every single time? Don't they improv this, and then that becomes the script? That's why Ethan Hawke and Julie my, Delphi are listed as writers? Wrong. My understanding is, like, 
the script was based on their improvisations beforehand, mm-hmm. but by the time the cameras roll, it's on paper. That so was my it's, understanding. It's, it's improved into script, and then well, that's, that's what I that's think. Cool. I could be wrong. So I, I always kind of just assumed that this is sort of one of those. It's it's sort of like the Academy saying, "Well, we want to appreciate this form of writing." Right, so to like speak. it's getting a nomination because of its its bulk of work, right? Because this is the third. No, no, uh, more more because it's more impro- improvisational. You that's, think? I'm just a, I'm I'm not the expert here, certainly by any stretch of the imagination, but I. I thought it was okay. In fact, the funny thing is, as I was watching this movie, there's one line, I, I'm not going to say it perfectly, but she says she says something along the lines of, well, this is the first time we've had a chance to talk since the kids. Like, this is a, our first chance. Now that the kids are gone, we can talk. And like, Somewhere in my mind, I was like, oh, God, this is trouble. This is trouble. This <laughs> really? was. A- <laughs> Should you talk? God, let's Maybe be- not. Go get the kids. <laughs> I, I was, you know, she said that line after she had a nice, healthy 15 minute scene at a dinner party yep. where the children did not interrupt them one time. <laughs> at that point, the movie did not have me. But I have to say, I, I have. Huh, I might have a reverse snobism. You know how some people will only see movies like this? I actually boycotted the, the first two because I was like, I'm not going to see a movie about two pretentious people who happen to be beautiful just meeting and talking. Forget it, right? So I saw this because it was nominated, and I have to say it grew on me. That argument. Pilar, the second one was nominated too. Oh, was it? Yeah. No, it wasn't. Yes, it no, was. No, because we talked, we talked about that. No, I no. I think it was. It well, was Okay, don't quote me on it, but I'm going to go and do research, and I'm was coming it? back to you. Because I just didn't do my homework that I year? I think that might have been a year Gosh, you didn't do your homework. I'm well, terrible. if it was nine years ago, yeah, you had, we, wouldn't, podcast. Oh, we wouldn't have been doing podcasts. We didn't have this podcast. But it was nominated. Yeah, but I only, you know, because of the podcast. Whatever. I was doing don't make things excuses. back then. Anyway, so I, 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 I watched it, and by the end, I was hooked. I was like, oh, not only have I had this conversation, but I think that it was very well executed. It felt real. You're caught up in it. It's not a pleasant conversation. And if you think about the movie, it is just one big argument. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 I don't know, it takes you to that place. And, I, and it does sort of cut off at the end. But I guess, I guess it makes you want to see what will happen in nine years. So I, I, I enjoyed it. But... I, I don't think it deserves best screenplay, but I enjoyed actually, it. I was going to say that if I could replace, this is the only one that I could think. I uh, I'm going out on a limb a little bit, but I would have liked if if we were to replace Before Midnight, I might have put in World War Z. Get out! <laughs> you got another one adapted? Oh, well, you know what? For adapted, I can't really think for oh, a second. Oh no, you get but, out but, now! But World War Z, sure. At every you could. You could have written that in your sleep until you got to the third act. It was just like, ooh, look, he's the hero and he's resisting the call, you know, but he's doing it for his family and it's okay. You know, I've, come on. Okay. It had awesome zombies. I will okay. give, you, give you that. They scared, scared me to death. I just thought it was a well-written, it, even though they don't call them zombies, it was a well-written zombie movie. <laughs> I don't know. It's adapted. You've got know. nothing for adapted. I, I do got nothing. Is there any, any movie in any of this stuff, that whether adapted or original, that you think should have been on the list you guys what, any movie that wasn't nominated that wasn't that, nominated yeah well there was a, a, just to shine a light on a very like little scene movie there was a British movie called um, The Selfish Giant that takes place now but it was uh, inspired by the Oscar Wilde story The Selfish Giant um, that's really fantastic and it, you can you can like watch it on demand and stuff I, I recommend people do it's a really great movie so I would just so let's, let's throw that one in <laughs> and, oh uh, as far as original screenplay 
there's a movie that a lot of people didn't like and even more people didn't see called Scenic Route that was directed mm. by um, or written by um, I'm forgetting his name now but he was he's the guy who created all those TV shows that keep getting canceled like the one with Jason Isaacs Awake was that what it was called and then uh, Lone Star and he's got a new one coming out he's, he's like known for creating these shows that are critically beloved and then get canceled after two or three episodes <laughs> and he wrote his first feature called Scenic Group starring Josh Duhamel and Dan uh, I'm forgetting his name now um, the, but the guy from Balls of Fury uh, who's actually a real actor not just a Jack Black wannabe anyway uh, it's a really good movie again so the, I'll just so put movies that one in there that, and also In a World was amazing I loved In a World yeah. I, thought, I thought she did such a great job I don't know about screenplay so much as just film you know just a filmmaker writer director in it and it just was really charming and I'm, I'm trying to get her on the podcast if you if you're listening will you please come on my podcast <laughs> like bell um brian brian is there is there a movie that you think should have should have been on here that was that was robbed well i would like to see you know i would have replaced dallas buyers club with something like uh fruitvale station which i mm. thought was a marvelous little um Movie. I feel so bad. I have missed Fruitvale Station. I, I have to see it. It's on, on my list. It's on Netflix now, okay. so you, you should be able to track it down. But it, it's really exceptionally, exceptionally good. Very, very subtle. You know, a movie like that you expect to be outraged, but instead you're you're just heart, heartbroken. It's it's quite good. I would have replaced Blue Jasmine with The Way Way Back. I would have I liked to. You hated The Way Way Back. I hated it so much. Really? Yeah. I just I liked it. I thought you know it's it 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 was you know a nice coming of age movie. It was dark. It you know gets inside of this kid's head. It 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 takes us on a journey. And I I, I don't know. I was really sucked into it. What? Why did you hate it? I didn't feel that it was sufficiently dark. Kiss the mic, producer. I know. I'm not used to talking that much. <laughs> I didn't feel that it was. Uh, I feel like I just cut out. There you go. Um, the sufficiently dark, as you said. Except, I mean, Steve Carell was really good, but I think he was uh, again, like I said about Blue Jasmine, maybe better than uh, what was on the page. Uh, I think the main problem for me is um, Sam Rockwell's character. As much as I have always liked him as an actor, I almost felt embarrassed for him that he had to say some of the like really creakily written. Uh, he's the jokey guy. It's like someone uh, put you know, all of uh, Bill Murray's characters from the 80s into, yeah. a, into a blender and then watered it down. Well, I guess maybe that's what I was liking about it. It felt like meatballs. It felt like, you know, sort of like that part of it felt to me like an homage to those those kind of movies. And yeah. maybe that's what I liked it. And I kind of wanted to, to you know, sleep with that character too. So that, anybody, <laughs> nobody else here at the table wanted yeah. to? No, I didn't no. see it. Other kids, well, I can't judge. Okay. Can, can I, also, I also felt bad for every young black actor who had to appear in the movie because they either had to be like, I'm the fat black kid who says something like sassy or I'm black, so I'm going to teach you how to break dance. Like it felt every <laughs> black really. character was uh, kind of a stereotype. Uh, good point. I didn't, you know, sadly, I did not notice which says something about me, but okay, it's demoted. All right, you convinced me. <laughs> Did you like Way Way Back? Did you see it? I didn't see it. So, ah. but I'll. But every movie that's brought up on this podcast, I'll make an. Well, I have a thing it. about things that have double <clears throat> words of the title. Like I really liked Win Win, <laughs> and I really liked. Uh, uh, oh, I don't know. There was another one. Fifty uh, Fifty. I, I like. <laughs> I hate that one too. I see Fifty Fifty. I'm with you. Okay, hate's a strong word. Well, do you want to read from Before Midnight? Oh, we're back to that. Yes. Yes. Screenplay by Richard Linkletter, Ethan Hawke, and Julie Delphi. I guess one of these would be me, because it's a woman 
but I don't have a French accent or blonde hair or manners. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, Brian, you want to be Jesse? Oh, sure. Okay. The girls asked me again what our wedding was like. Yeah? What'd you say? I said it was very low-key. Yeah, very low-key. So low-key, I don't even remember it. Very Quaker. I don't know. Oh, I, I don't know why they want us to be married so badly. It's important to them. We're in, we're in a church. You want to get married? No. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. There you go. We'll fight later. <laughs> oh, we will. Okay. All right. And then uh, and Captain Phillips uh, did not have a screenplay online, which I'm kind of bummed about. That's I liked Captain Phillips, too. I did. Yeah. I, I liked it. Do you know? Do you know that Captain Phillips went to? He's he's a Winchester boy. I'm from Winchester, Massachusetts. At mm-hmm. This certain point in my life, and uh, um, I was friends with his sister Patty. Patty Phillips. We we went to Winchester really? High School together. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yep. yep. And unlike most of my friends' big brothers, I did not make out with Captain Phillips, <laughs> which I'm regretting now. I am. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was much older. <laughs> Not that that would have stopped you. Well, you know, I never, I never met him. So that that would have something to do with it, too. But I was like, I was like, oh my god, Patty Phillips, big brother. Oh my god, that's how I said it. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> so, um, uh, are you? Where are you guys watching the Oscars this year? What are you guys going to do? For I it? am, for the first time in a long time, not watching the Oscars this year. Um, not for any. Oh. Son of a gun. Yeah, I know our mic's stinky. Uh, anyway, I'm, I will be in New Orleans for Mardi Gras, and I'll be at a parade, and I'm not going to watch. Good. Battleship Retention Dude is not watching the Oscars. Good no, trade. Good yeah. trade. Wow. Uh, we, we will still be doing an episode. My co-host and a guest will be uh, doing an Oscar episode, like a wrap-up that will go up in the feed that night. So Battleship Retention fans will still get their fill, but I will skip the Oscars for uh, Mardi Gras. Well, have a good time. Have a good time. Uh, what about you guys? Are you good? Are you? Is the Pope's Picks thing happening? Where you guys do something? Or we're probably not doing anything live this year. We've been doing a, a Facebook thing the past couple of years, but Facebook has been objecting strenuously to poor Michael, who is the administrator of the of the of the page. So I'm going to give him a break this year. What is Facebook doing? You want me to have a talk with Facebook? No, that's, please don't. Okay. I'd like to stay on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, any of you guys like do those Facebook movies? <laughs> no. 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 I, I would like, this is so pathetic, right? Is people would put up their little Facebook movie and I would cry. It would make me cry. I'd be like, what is wrong with me? And you are shaping the minds of storytellers to them. I'd be like, oh, look, now they're engaged. Oh, now they have their first baby. I would <laughs> just cry. <laughs> I cried at my own. It was pathetic. Um, well, I want to I thank you guys for being here. Is there any uh, website, Twitter, anything that you'd like people to take a look at? Or would you like everybody to leave you alone? Mike? What about you? No, I'm just, I, I'm not doing much on the internet right now. I'm doing rewrites, so. What about your Kentucky the, Derby thing? Are you still doing that? Yeah, I will, but I'm more focused on the on the uh, rewrites because <laughs> I've decided to take on a project that was incredibly ambitious. Was that the, is that the web series? Yeah. Yeah, that one was ambitious. Yeah, 56 episodes you, and you. 35 yeah. pages on the last one. Sure, <laughs> why not? That's a good time. But no, I'll probably jump back. I, I, I do a, a it was more as a writing exercise and just because I enjoyed it. It's, it's uh, closing splee, a spleed. 
We're not. We are completely sober. Closing speed. It's at Blogspot, and I just cover sort of the preps before the Kentucky Derby and beyond. That's cool. I mean, I don't, not a lot of people do that. That's neat. It's an underappreciated sport, so I'm championing the sport. Championing the sport. Completely sober. Promise. Completely sober. You know, somebody in in one of my classes. I, I won't go into details, but she's writing a, an original series with the backdrop of the Kentucky Derby. What do you nice. think? Yeah, it's. Yeah. It, I think it's tough. A lot of people don't know much about the sport anymore, so. But, you know, everything can be done well, as someone once told me. I'm looking right at her. <laughs> Brian, what about you? Where, where should people go well, to find you can, out about you? Well, you can find me on Blogspot at the, the Pope's Picks. So uh, just track me down there if you're interested. If not, well, that's fine, And too. is it P-I-C-K-S or P-I-C-S? P-I-C-K-S. Okay. Yeah. All right. Or apostrophe. I don't know. I something forget. Something like it's that. It's something like that. Check it out. Check it out. And, um, of course, your million podcasts, David. <laughs> My podcast. My main uh, podcast, the movie discussion, movie discussion podcast, is. Oh, do you want me to God. say it? Uh, I'm trying not to say anything, but I have to censor later. <gasps> oh. um, uh, Battleship Pretension. That's at battleshippretension.com, and I also write movie reviews there, including there are reviews written by me of Before Midnight, Her, Dallas Buyers Club, Philomena, and The Wolf of Wall Street. I reviewed all those for the site, so you can see what I thought in more detail there. And um, follow me. On Twitter at The Pretension, and my TV podcast is called Hey, Watch This with Paul and David. Excellent. Excellent. Busy boy. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, And as always, go to onthepage.tv, see what's happening here at The Space. The rewrite class is starting, and it runs March 1st through April 5th, Saturdays, 1230 to 330, in our shiny new space in Studio City. It is an awesome improvement. Thank you. We didn't say that. This is a great new studio. Thanks. Thanks. And you've taken the rewrite class, right? (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) (laughs) Most people take a little little less time with their rewrite. I, I promise you, you'll get some stuff done. Just don't write a... 53 webisodes and then you'll be 56 (laughs) okay but it really will move you through the rewrite process quickly and if you haven't finished your first draft it will actually get you to fade out i promise um also uh, march 30th there will be a career class here at on the page live and that will be with lee jessup she will be speaking in the Uh, the first part of it about getting an agent and all that jazz and I'll be speaking the second part of it about how you would then go on to pitch yourself or pitch your project Um, we are streaming that live and so you can watch it online so when you go to the on the page site look for the online classes and you'll see the career class online you can watch it as we do it or you can watch it taped afterwards I think that's about it I think that's about it When, when this is coming out I will have been back from Australia. Wow. No, Good but luck. I'm, I'm off to Australia on Wednesday. Yes. Oh. I know. Have I'll a s- shrimp on the barbie for I me. don't know what I, I... It's my first time. I'm so excited. I'll send you guys stuffed koala bears. It'll be fun. Yeah. Isn't that what you want? That would be fun if it happened. <laughs> yes. You're, you're lying to me right now. No, I could do that. Okay. I mean, I'm fond of you guys. Okay. I'm so fond. I see you once a year. It's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Can I make a request? You have a request? Yes, David? Can you bring me back some Tim Tams? What's a Tam Tam? Tim Tams. Tim Tam. They're a delicious treat um, that you can find in uh, Australia and that you should buy 10 or more packages. You should buy like a gross of of cases. Are they made of chocolate? (laughs) Yes. Okay, I'm in. you should buy all of them and give me some. (laughs) Okay, all right. Can I have that instead of the koala? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I'll get you all Tim Tams. Tim Tams for everybody. Thanks, everyone, for listening. 
And ha- and thank you, Brian. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, David. Thank you. And everybody out there, have a good writing week. Thank you.